I am Maeve Doyle, and this is A Private View. Uh, this show is about artists, art dealers, curators, collectors, critics, gallery owners, auction house experts, and individuals who are redefining and reshaping the world of art as we know it. On today's show, I have the pleasure of talking to Jake Chapman from the Chapman Brothers. Jake Chapman, are you there? I'm here. I'm so glad you're here. Hello. <laughs> How are you? Better now. This is great. Thank you for being on. How are My you? Pleasure. Thanks for thanks for asking. Yeah, all good. All good. It's quite funny when I think of artists who probably could see this coming. You're definitely one of them. <laughs> well, I'm I mean, talking about the COVID crisis. Yeah, and I'm being oh, flippant. Not, not the interview. No, no. Of course, <laughs> I mean you know, this, this, it's all well and good, all well and good tempting fate until it actually happens. Um, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I kind of. I think yeah, it's a it's a momentous occasion, isn't it? Really, for the time, the present's a very 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 interesting shift. It's a, um, and so I guess what I wanted to ask, aside yeah. from, did you know this was coming in a clairvoyant sense, which we'll touch on later? Uh, yeah. How's lockdown working for you? Well, I mean, you know, uh, I mean, I've been I've been sort of perfecting self isolation for half a century, really. So it's. Uh, <laughs> You know, it's not a problem for uh, artists, is it? <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, I, I, I suppose you know. I suppose the sort of the, the romantic notion of self introspection is is kind of you know is the is the given currency of being an artist, I suppose. But um, you know, nobody said that you know the idea of self introspection would have to involve a family too. So you know, there are upsides mm. and downsides to. Uh... <laughs> no, I mean it's you know it's no it's, no I it's, hear it's, you. We are yeah, irritable I mean, it, people, yeah. <laughs> well, it's difficult for everyone, isn't it? It's like so, suddenly you're kind of confronted with the construct of a family and, you know, the idea of being sort of, you know, not not having a kind of, you know, I mean, it's the same for everyone. I mean, the kids are kind of going mental, and, you know, just kind of trying to organise themselves and occupy themselves. So, yeah, it's kind of strange times. I, uh, I've been a... F- um follower of your work for a long time and I always get amazed when people freak out and don't like it because I, I'm I understand that you're humanitarian and and you're trying to kind of issue cautionary tales if I'm wrong tell me but well, how do you deal with well I mean you know as a 53 year old man I've only you know the, the idea of sort of some of the kind of the you know the, the technical terms for um, you know kind of social media platforms like the idea of virtue signaling is just I, quite, I think it's quite an interesting idea this idea that you kind of hang out your kind of your 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 ethical moral response to the world you know globally publicly on on the net but um I suppose the thing is in terms of those more animated responses to our work i think often they 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 could be analogous to virtue signaling so that in a sense what the work that offers is is a either an opportunity for someone to to um you know in, in sort of kind of uh, indulge or, or sort of accept the fact that the work is kind of provocative and ask certain questions and you can engage with that as a kind of as a process or that what it does is that it offers a kind of a possibility for some kind of foot stamping and melodrama, in which case people often affect the most uh, kind of gestural sort of uh, postures of disgust and anger. Um, you know, and I and I, I and I and I agree. I, it's it's almost as if somehow the work elicits a kind of 
um, you know, the, 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 a certain kind of uh, hyper protest, which which is kind of somehow slightly slightly revealing. It might, in a sense, reveal a kind of a pathology in the in the in the reader who who uh, protests too much. <laughs> you know, my, um, I mean, I, I mean, I, I think that's so could, good. I agree with you more, way more. You put it so eloquently. And the well, you could say having... the work is. The, the work is more funny than it is that it is is i mean you know again we're always i think gonna, it's gonna, funny yeah it's, it's funny i mean it's kind of funny because it's fatalistic and pessimistic but pessimism is funny because it's 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 kind of vain in a way as well you know it's kind of there's something quite funny about sort of you know the the the, the, the magnitude of, of concern in the work which is kind of you know worrying about you know the end of the world and all these things and you know and suddenly you know this this kind of provocation of 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 someone who finds it too too much to bear to find a um, a mannequin with 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 genitals in the wrong place which begs the question where should the man where should genitals be on a mannequin there aren't any you know is, is it is it more odd that a mannequin doesn't have genitals than it does i, th- I think i think um it, the dis the pessimism is a disappointed idealism and i think that's yeah. that's and that's what's interesting about it. It's it's not pessimism for the sake of it. The ideology's there. It's like, why are we missing this? And the other thing is I yeah. find that a lot of it's based in religious imagery. And I wonder if people have lost the ability to read metaphor and allegory because we're not for good or bad, people aren't educated in religion anymore. So that Well Yeah. Go on. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Well, I was going to yeah. say, well, that, well, I think that's that's true. But there's been, you know, even, you know, the idea that we call ourselves a liberal progressive society based on a kind of uh, a secular abandonment of, of theocracy is 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 kind of maybe maybe optimistic in terms of the fact that certain Judeo-Christian uh, sentiments still reside in our morality. So we are kind of fully fully Christianized in terms of our desire for redemption, whether that's kind of a redemption for uh, some kind of celestial version, or it's just the redemption in the way in which we look for, look at art. You know that we hope that art will uh, confer upon us some sense of, of of optimism towards a future which is either, as in the current current state, um, marked by a sense of, of of biological extinction through virus, or only a matter of weeks ago it was extinction through uh, in, environmental crisis. So you know that that what we're kind of you know what? What the problem for us is, is that if we've if we've um, embarked from a notion of religion which secured us uh, an idealistic future based upon you know an afterlife in heaven, um, that what we what we're left with is a secular version which is just simply art, which is not going to really do much. <laughs> and that look here's here's my here's my view of pessimism. Look, you know, there's there's the terrible joke. You know, why did the chicken cross the road to get to the other side? Well, the better version is why did the why did the chicken kill itself to get to the other side? You know, one one joke's funny and one joke's not, but the one that's funny is, is the one that funny. involves pain. <laughs> They're both funny. They're both funny. You're an idiot. <laughs> I'm a Catholic. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> Bless you. Exactly. We, that, oh, that is good. Well, I, I'm I'm. The George Michael exhibition at Christie's, which was an auction yes. eventually, uh, yeah. I, I went a few times. I, I kind of lived close by. And um, yeah. what was really funny was your piece had to be moved because people couldn't get their selfies with the penises in the wrong <laughs> <laughs> And I asked the guards what happened to the Chapman Brothers piece. And they're yeah. like, well, 
people didn't want it in their selfies. <laughs> Brilliant. That's so funny. I mean, here's a Did man. Did you know that punk- story? Yeah. I don't. I, I mean, I've had very, you know, I'm kind of familiar with such things. I think we had um, there was some show in Rome a while ago, not so long ago, and I got them some kind of reporter phoning up trying to sort of stir up some, you know, I don't know, some some kind of interest on my part. But uh, there, there, there was a group show that I had no idea in a, in, in a museum and they, they had a, an old mannequin piece and they had it removed because they were, uh, the public prosecutor, or so, or there were kind of like protests about the work, and they said, "Well, yeah, it's fine." They said, "What do you think? This is a is this a kind of uh, does this impinge upon your free speech? Is this a you know?" I said, "Look, I, to be honest, I don't really care about that." I said, um, uh, "I think what you should do is you should send it to the Vatican, where the real shit happens." <laughs> Correct. And the and the weird irony is, I kind of think the Pope would get it. He'd love your work. Well, I mean, you know, the th- the thing the thing about you know sort of. I guess one of the sort of, like I said, the uh, residual sort of components of the collapse of, of of Christianity is the sense in which we still need some kind of sense of transgression in order to motivate our sense of progress, you know. So, you know, so the idea of uh, a kind of, you can, you can imagine, I, I, I always imagine, you know, our number one fans would be sort of sweaty missionary Jesuits, you know, sort of sent to the outer regions to kind of convert people into to, to God, but actually also being heretically, you know, non-believers themselves. So, you know, I, mean, I always thought they, they would really get the work because, you know, the, 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 the idea of sort of thinking that you can live, live without any sense of, of, of moral blasphemy would just leave us in a situation where we would be cut adrift from having any notion of how to produce a moral framework to live, you know, after the death of God, how how do you make sure people don't go around uh, just killing each other uh, in a totally uninhibited, immoral way? You know, unless you have to kind of produce a kind of um, you know a secular argument for for why not to murder the bus driver when he doesn't let you on the bus um, or she. I don't know where I'm going with that, but anyway. Uh, no, it's it's really interesting because I kept thinking, well, of course, without religion, you get them addicted to drugs and alcohol. Then they are not motivated to do anything. And that's, yeah. and that's, yeah. that's, it's kind of well, where we're that, at. That, if you don't have religion, you have to be drugged, really. To well, that's, well, that's, that's true. I mean, isn't it that the, the reason, why is it, oh God, I read recently something about the reason they put hops in beer. And I think it was, it was monks because what it does is it turns, um, it turns out, yes, it turns out, uh, uh, it turns alcohol from a, um, from an aphrodisiac into a soporific, so it's so it essentially dulls the senses rather than stimulates them. So yeah, I mean, I mean, I you know, I, I kind of think it's interesting that alcohol consumption now is thirty percent up. Uh, you know, what you know, faced with the faced with the proposition of the end of the human race, people drink. You know, and um, and we're happy they do because if they were alert and conscious, they would revolt. <laughs> well, 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 absolutely, but it, but it, but it brings into question the relationship between work and leisure, doesn't it? You know, yes. but if, yeah, and, and you could kind of say that part of the uh, the kind of liberalising laws, which will sort of accommodate certain kind of forms of drug addiction, or certain sort of soft sort of approaches to drugs, is something to do with the fact that before, in terms of the, you know the mid 
you know, in the industrial industrial revolution, industri industrialization. Sorry, you couldn't have people sort of stoned manning the machines because they'd get caught up in them, and you know things would get tangled and messy. But now there are no machines. There is no sort of um, urgent manufacture in this country. It's much better to have people just listless and lethargic and stoned. You know, so then in a sense, what happens is that rather than you know, these kind of stringent prohibitions and moral sort of attacks against the kind of the, the, the kind of the, the the idiocy of drug taking, you kind of then reintroduce this as a sort of kind of like, well, no, it's kind of good for you. It makes you feel better. It, essentially, it means you don't have to work but it is, because there is no work. For you see, so you might as well just sit in your house and obliterate your brain, which is, you know, I guess what a lot of people are doing now, you know. Yeah, I guess. I, I, if, if this was a if this was a social if COVID twenty twenty yeah. lockdown was a social experiment or an yeah. Orwellian, you know, yep. art school kind of performance piece, it's yeah. fascinating. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yes, I mean it's it's fascinating because, I mean, I was just thinking about this the other day. You know, this the idea that how um, you know. This idea of this kind of, I think, what is it called, trans-taxonomic communication, which is just how, uh, you know, the virus shifts from animals to humans, is that, you know, that if, they, if they've kind of limited this down to sort of like maybe five or six sort of, you know, sort of early patients, you know, what they call patient zero or whatever, you know, in a very specific region, that the chance occurrence of, of, of this passage from, of a virus from a, uh, from an animal to a human is so rare. It's such a rare event, given the fact that probably this, this occurs a lot, but human immune systems are strong enough to actually um, circumvent any further um, contagion. That this event in itself is so ex excruciatingly rare. And yet, once it's happened, the effect has become so thorough, you know, that there's a kind of a strange, there's a strange sort of scale relationship between something being incredibly rare and then intensely popular and successful you know it's because it, it, it kind of shows how sort of uh precarious we are that 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 in a yes. sense that if 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 now everything is shut down if kind of like the the, the kind of the trajectory of of globalization you know economic globalization is now is completely stopped in its tracks it's just very interesting how uh, something which has occurred out of nowhere um, can actually have halted the whole momentum of, of late capitalist sort of production. Um, it's, it's incredible. Uh, did you hear Ai yeah. Weiwei speaking about it on an Artnet interview? No. I think he's, <laughs> you can imagine he's quite clear about what he thinks. Yeah, happened. what did he say? Chinese government are keeping it a secret. They have there's no human. It's a military. They're covering it up. I mean, that's a quote from an Artnet yeah. podcast. Before I get, he's like, it, there's no trust. It's a mafia world. They've covered something up. And and I, even as he said it, I was like, oh, you know, we're so trained not to be able to speak. And so again, going back to what your yeah. work started out as, the biggest call out culture and virtue signaling. And political yeah. correctness means you never know what anyone is thinking because we've all been trained in, in a way know, that kind of brainwashed. Go on. Well, I was just thinking about, I was just thinking it, but it's what's, what's funny is the kind of the East-West drama. In a sense, you know, 
what Ai Weiwei is like referring to is that you kind of think about the Chinese, the kind of the communist government as sort of they're they're like they're like puritanical Victorians in terms of the fact that they're very uh, incapable of calling a cat a cat. You know, they can't. They're kind of they're they're, they're kind of like sort of. You know, they're kind of like they cover, they're covering over covering over everything. They're kind of shrouding everything because they can't be open. And yet, you think about the American government. This guy's telling people to inject disinfectant. So, on the one hand, you've got this kind of sort of slightly kind of sort of uh, shifty, concealed, shadowy sort of government. On the one hand, on the other, you've got this absolutely laid bare, pornographic sort of Western. Just fucking say it as it is. <laughs> Reality is It's so funny. And, it, it's, and so it's like, funny. it's just so bizarre. It's like, you know, it's it's like, it's honestly, it's like Jekyll and Hyde. It's so, I mean, it's, yeah, I think, um, it's, yeah, it's very funny. I mean, just oh. inject it. And I love that. I love the idea that you can, you can shine light inside bodies. I'd like, love to see what that means. And I, I know that it probably, you know, radiography is that, but no, what, it's, it's just, it's just, I mean, I mean, I don't know what I prefer. I don't, I don't know if I prefer it to be a kind of a, a bioterrorism on the part of China, or, or for for a president to be sort of suggesting we inject ourselves with domestos. And the, and the beauty is, it's a cornucopia. You don't have to choose. Yeah. No, that's right. That's right. <laughs> we can we that's can right. have it all. Oh God! I I read in the newspaper that we, I, there was a thing the other day. It said we can all breathe a sigh of relief that Boris is back. It's like oh, Jesus Christ, really. I mean, it didn't he? What was he? He quoted um, when they were trying to get the uh, ventilators that he said this is the the gar- last gasp, last gasp solution or something. I mean, you know. I mean, my it, favorite it's, it's, is his dad came out and said he's not allowed to come back to work until he feels better. <laughs> Brilliant. I had to tell my Canadian, the, my Brilliant. Canadian relatives were like, "Well, how is it over there?" And, and I thought, "How do it's I put comedy. this?" I said, uh, yeah. "Well, his father told the press that his son's not allowed to come back to work until yeah. he feels better." And they said, "His and, dad? Uh, what?" God. <laughs> it's and so British. Entire, and and this kind of reverse, this reverse engineering, this kind of support for the NHS for for the past thirty years, it's been. It's been sort of kind of, it's like kind of a carcass left out bleached in the sun for vultures to peck. You know, they've put out. Well, that's you know, so sad because the NHS it's, is it's, such a such a thing it, for it's, Britain to be proud of. It is. Yeah. It is. But it, yeah. but the idea that it, that it, that it's been sort of allowed to be sort of poured over by sort of financial speculation. You know, private private um, health, private companies with shareholders. You know, and this is why we are where we are where we're at. You know, the idea that actually people, you know, that poor old guy sort of wandering around his his garden. <laughs> raising sort of what is it 30 million pounds or and and it's like you kind of think but we've kind of suddenly got into this sort of sense in which the the nhs is an ngo you know like a non-governmental organization it's not it's a it's a it's a it's a it's a sector paid by tax you know and it's just having to be propped up by charity which is just insane it's See, I, I mean i do i that's the sorry, thing sorry, about yeah. you. It's the thing about you, whether talking to you or looking at your work, almost like the most sophisticated comedian, you can say the harshest <laughs> things 
and make them palatable because you can laugh. It's like a spoonful of sugar to help the medicine go down. I mean, I guess you know the reason I'm saying that is that because we, you know, that that we're actually we're actually looking to people like that to support the NHS when it's been so kind of fundamentally underfunded and 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 purposely so. I think you know, like I said, I think this is this is a purposeful. Um, uh, a piece of social engineering that's been that's been in, in play for, for many many years, essentially to to pull apart the the, the, the public sector in in favour of um, you know the national national sector in favour of sort of, of of private money. So anyway. what we need is symbols. Like your work is about symbols. symbolism. This man is yeah. a symbol, and that's why it's he's been championing. And and there's, going back to where the conversation. Yeah. Yes. started symbols are so important to influence to move and and with you who is possibly one of the most congenial lovely people to meet with the kind of <laughs> and that's why I get so shocked when people freak out about your work I'm like anyway the law that's not what I want I don't want to go yeah. there right now what I want to go to is the kind of yeah. link between activism and art which clearly yeah you walk that line and I, I just wonder if we could go back to can you do a synop like can you go through your whole career from the beginning mm. till now the way you tell it <laughs> <laughs> no pressure that's that's kind of like you're more uh, interesting that... than wikipedia and i don't want people to do that clearly politically minded which I love. Right, this is, you know. So this will be this will be me in an interview for a new job post COVID when the whole art world has collapsed and I'm I'm, I'm applying for I don't know shelf stacking. This is uh, okay, history. Um, How do we remember you? How did it begin? Oh God! Like like like. Um, imagine like a party and then someone came in who wasn't invited and stayed throughout, and everyone else got bored and left, and I was left. That's me. <laughs> no okay so um no i get that usual... i like that yeah. that makes sense U- usual process of art school and you know i kind of you know went to i oh yeah this is funny i applied for i think i applied for chelsea um slade and i didn't get into any of those colleges and i ended up going to the um, you know the clearinghouse ended up at northeast northeast london poly which was in plasto went to royal college which i at the time wasn't it was a really kind of boring place to be I didn't like that went to bit went to goldsmiths did a, did some other sort of courses sort of different um uh you know did a philosophy thing da, 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 stuff like that and um, you were at goldsmiths and when the kind of like star-studded crew were there right? I, I was I was I went I went after I kind of okay. I, I kind of I heard this rumor that they were really into sort of French post-structuralist theory so I thought you know given the fact that I was in um um, the Royal, Royal College of Art, and they were just—it was a, there was nothing going on there. It was so dead, um, and I was kind of very interested in sort of you know theory because at that time, of you know, everyone was reading Baudrillard and Deleuze and stuff like that, and I was very you know that was kind of for me that 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 was the, the art was secondary to that really because it was the only thing that gave it any kind of interesting meaning. So I went kind of scurrying off to Goldsmiths, thinking that's what they were doing, and it, and it really wasn't. So, um, but then um, we had. A, uh, we were making some work. I decided to work with Dinos. Uh, we got show. Yeah, my brother Dinos. We we started doing some shows. Um, and yeah, I mean the the YBA thing. I think was a. It was kind of. I think it was. You know, I guess you know the idea of going to art school at that time was never anything to do with being an artist. I don't think anyone had any 
foresight in terms of thinking that there, there was a career to be had at the end of it as an artist. I agree. I agree. And I you know, was in art kind of, at the same time. None yeah. Of us thought that. We were it, just it, a mess. It didn't and exist. Had nowhere else to it go. didn't exist. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But also the, 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 the defined vocation as an artist wasn't really a thing because it was still steeped in a romantic notion that you were, were an artist by some kind of alcoholic proxy or, you know, you became an artist yeah. when you're 50 and, you know, whatever. You're kind of a, a, There's a something wrong with you. man. Yeah, exactly. So, so art school. So I went through all that whole process, and you know, the, the art the art thing suddenly exploded the YBA thing, and I think that was a lot to do with sort of how parochial England was. You know, considering that that you know we had sort of two TV stations, and uh, that, that that both finished at like nine o'clock, and they played the national anthem, and everyone saluted and went to bed. Yeah. You know, yeah. it was. So I think, in a sense, the, the and Norman out, Rosenthal. Yeah, yes, yes, the, what was it called, the Sensation Exhibition and all that. So, um, yeah, and I think it was, um, how that happened? God, YBA. Um, I mean, I would never thought that the, I mean, I was kind of, I always thought that the YBA um, acronym was pretty awful because I just thought that, you know, just even in terms of the accuracy of it, that, that when you looked at that work, it all looked American anyway. And so the idea of calling it young British art wasn't really, a, wasn't paradigmatic in terms of its kind of exemplification from everything else. You know, in, in effect, that work looked exactly like the work that it was influenced by. And so then to use British as its sort of, you know, its exemplar didn't really make much sense. And also I didn't, I didn't really Do you mean Jeff yeah, I mean, all those kind of Steinbeck and Jeff Koons, all those, Peter Halley, and actually all that stuff, and John Miller, all of that stuff kind of came through, it was floated in with sort of Baudrillard texts and, um, you know, uh, what's his name, um, Guy Debord text, you know. So that work was heavily supported by a very theoretical base, you know, Barbara Kruger and all those, those kind of political yeah, it had a kind of a, uh, right. a philosophical, theoretical base to it that made it interesting. I mean, otherwise, they were Jeff activists. And, yeah, yeah, but it had a kind of a context, and the context was this sort of, you know, very sort of interesting, uh, strategic way of making art and making it. You know, it, it you know, it was a, it was it was like it was very, uh, you know, it was very um, uh, radical in the sense in which it was. Uh, you know, it was kind of totally synonymous with the object of its study. That's to say that it was kind of it was capitalistic in its in its in its form, in its materiality, and in its content. You know, and um, so anyway, the YBA thing I think just kind of bounced off that really. So it was it was just I always thought it was a bit of a you know a bit of a gravy train in terms of calling it especially British. Well, you know? and then suddenly it's. Yeah. The term that the term that applies YBA was perfect for marketing, and that's sort of absolutely the time yeah. Yeah. when the yeah. art world changed. Before that, as yeah. as you said, we were all in the art world because we were a mess and we didn't want to be in anything yeah. else. And yeah, and I, I mean, I that's complete generalization, but you're not arguing with me. Like we no, I, went, I, yeah, but and I, so I and then I'm not, I'm not. when they got YBA, they could capitalize in it capitalize yeah, on it and I, I elbow think, into I think, business and I think also that as you say about it being a mess I think also that in some ways you know the art art world as it was before the YBA certainly in Britain was you know that it had its kind of elitist competence in a way that it was kind of you know it occurred in a different sphere a different sphere of activity you know 
um, that it only reared its head every so often when something like, for example, the Tate bought the Carl Andre bricks for however many yes. pounds and there was no outcry. You know, that, that it kind of, that, it, that you know, that in a sense it had its kind of, it, it was it was international, but it had a kind of provincial sort of, um, sort of sense of immunity from a public that would be sort of disdainful of it, you know, and that only with the YBA that thing that it could suddenly sort of generate some kind of uh, uh, some spectacle in a sense, you know, publicly. And I think that's also a lot to do with the sort of economic shift, because I think the YBA uh, invention or the, the this kind of explosion of interest in this kind of form of culture that was that was suddenly read, readily available for all sorts of sort of licentious gossip and you know it was kind of it was kind of spectacular in a way that Carl Andre and John, Donald Judd and all those artists weren't so they weren't available to the public because the public wouldn't be interested. Yeah, and, and I, I guess YBA, to revise the word mess, I mean spectacular. Yeah counterculture yeah. not playing yes. along not doing what yes. they're told punk rock yeah. like and that yeah. is not well, a me- that's not a mess that's that's a organic spontaneous creative you guys yeah. weren't fitting in the box yeah but i think i think that's also too flattering in a sense because i think the economic circumstances for the yba eruption was much more to do with a neoliberal sort of economics you know so i think that and, I, and this again you know this is my you know any kind of co- co- sort of question about my relationship to sort of you know political activism in the work is, is not exactly what it might seem because i think in hindsight what i think is interesting about with that kind of yba phenomenon is that while on the one hand it could appear to be sort of counterculture to bite the hand that feeds it to, to be sort of kind of abrasive is that that was exactly uh, it kind of tessellated so perfectly, dovetailed perfectly with, with uh, kind of neoliberal economics. You know, the kind of the, the brash, radical, speculative, money, money-minded sort of hero of, 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 of neoliberal economics. You know, and I think that's that. And I think that, that I think that analysis persists in terms of how uh, you know you can see um, how culture has become went from something as a kind of a byproduct of 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 of, 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 exi- of our of human existence to something which is becoming predominant and that that you can look at the YBAs as being almost in a sense a vanguard of 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 gentrification you know in a sense that while you've got you know that if you wanted to kind of you know sort of suggest that these artists were kind of anti-capitalist by by posture that their position was something to do with critiquing all this stuff and you know attacking like sort of slightly in an anarchistic sort of post-punk way that in a sense that sort of libertarianism that kind of sense of individualistic um kind of uh you know kind of critical positioning is exactly is exactly uh, coherent in terms of a neoliberal uh, reading of of globalized gentrification and so in a sense that's that's the problem you know and i've always kind of you know, that, that's, that's, I would say that's the inherent sort of uh, paradox and position that my, my work has kind of tried to inhabit, which is this notion of saying, look, you know, part of the problem with um, taking a critical position against a, a kind of progressive society is that you are immediately accommodated to the progress. There's no way of, there's no way of critiquing something whereby critiquing itself becomes part of an apparatus. And that's, that's the intrinsic problem. You know? <laughs> oh no, no! I was thinking it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's like gentrification. It, I mean, I was thinking yeah. to simplify it. If if the YBAs were 
the property market, the YBAs would be yeah. shortage. Yes, yes. Well, you know, I mean, I remember... The businessmen you know, came in and gentrified you, yeah, in a yes. sense. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So so part of the problem is, so so the prevailing sort of analysis of the YBAs as, as kind of sort of um, countercultural, you know, that's the problem is that counterculture is in itself accommodated by sort of capital. That's the problem. The problem is, is that, that it's very easy to think that there's a kind of rebellious outside to counterculture, when in actual fact, the counterculture is it, it is extremely in the core. That's the problem, right? So, you know, you could imagine like the Tate, you know, the Tate opening, the new Tate, the turbine factory, you know, but in a sense, you know, this kind of great, uh, you know, that in itself is symbolically kind of, you know, a, a, a enormous, you know. You realize you called it the turbine factory, right? Yes. Yeah. Well, it's, it was a factory. It was a tur- it produced electricity. You know. So the idea that this thing that becomes defunct as a as a as a as a thing that produces you know the abstract fuel of a of a of a of a capitalized city to become something. I mean, you can tell something's up when you know. I was thinking. It always made me laugh that like the idea of saying that when you think about the old tape is that you actually have to take the steps up to this kind of pantheon into this kind of cultural sort of temple. You know, even has its kind of classical facade on the front. You go through the Ionic or Doric columns, whatever they are. You go through, and you kind of you've kind of ascended to some notion of art as on some kind of higher metaphysical plane, and you walk in. That's an intentional move. You have to actually motivate yourself to kind of put one foot in front of the other to go up the steps the new take you can be blown off the uh, the sort of promenade on the front of the, of the of the water by a gust of wind and it will sort of like dump you on a ramp that you kind of just slide down to an escalator that will just bring you up to it without any intention you know so in a sense what it's what 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 it's what it does is that it kind of it replicates a kind of a shopping mall it, it replicates the idea that actually you know that there's some kind of there's no there's no friction involved in your approach to looking at art and once you pursue that analogy that there's no friction in the art itself so then then the art just becomes a matter of kind of wandering through a gallery finding a coffee bar to kind of to top up your kind of your 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 motivation and certainly in the sense that they got the same flow dynamic uh engineers and designers from Blue Water, which is a shopping mall, to actually design the Tate, the new Tate, um, so that they could kind of work out how kind of people would walk around and to, to, to stop sort of turbulence and little kind of the moments where people would get stuck behind a wall so that they could actually, def- they could define the rate of flow by which people would go through a gallery and put the right kind of art there to actually, you know, kind of uh, help with the dynamics. So anyway. No, it becomes overanalyzed. There's a similarity to the film world when the films were great until people realized there was money in them and then the money people got involved and then there were boardroom meetings and then everybody everybody had an opinion and things just became diluted and there were no great films. Yeah. Well, I guess, well, I think that's also also right. But also if you extend that, the idea that when you make films and you have a kind of a pre-audience, you know, that what happens is is that you start to make... You know, you, you, you make films, you, you have an idea of a script, you make the film and then you have to kind of then it, open it up to a screening and then you have a consensual sort of response and then you have to make the film fit the cons- consensus because that is your, that's your market definition. You know, that's going to be how people will respond to the film on a wider scale and that's how you make your money. I guess that's in a sense, the, 
where what's what's interesting about where we are now is that maybe all of those things have ended you know? uh, well that's what uh, i was going to say like you you are stuck to your guns with the aesthetic being startling for some people and finally like a sigh of relief for others so yeah. if i were to ask you where the art world was at prior to lockdown we know it's never going to be the same where yeah. was it at prior to lockdown how did you feel things progressed from the time of the YBAs when you entered the scene to where we were before lockdown? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I mean, I, I sort uh, of think... Yeah. Um, ultimately, because I think that may factor into how we come out of this, I'm hoping. There were things yeah, that needed yeah. to be dealt with, obviously. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, I kind of, I sort of, I'm very wary of, of thinking that I hear, I hear a certain sort of, uh, you know, kind of alienation in my own voice in terms of, you know, and I, and I don't want to be a person who, who claims to know much about the art world. Um, you know, just, just, just in terms of like understanding the, the, the enormity of it, you know, that my experience of it, say years ago is that it was very little. I, I can pretty much say that, you know, at a certain point in time, we probably knew most of the people in the art world who were people who were who were the you know prime movers and movers and shakers, you know. But now it's enormous. It's impossible to know that, so it's difficult to have uh, any sense of confidence in an overview. But I, you know, but I guess I mean by way of analogy, I was sort of thinking that you know if you imagine, I was thinking, you know, that if you think about kind of the waves the transitions of sort of certain popularities and certain things like you imagine how you know the way in which say for example classical music was the only music of its time you know and that you know that, that if you kind of said to someone about classical music you know you do realize that you know in a hundred years time this will be relegated to a kind of uh, a, a kind of a marginal point and it will not be popular you know, people would say you're crazy, you know, and I suppose that in some ways, I mean, I guess what I'm trying to go with this, I was trying, you know, you could imagine, imagine a time in the future where there's no such thing as humour, you know, where actually culturally humour in itself will have kind of evolved out and people will look back and say, well, that's a very really, really weird thing. I mean, it's I kind funny. of maybe... As you're talking, I'm writing notes yeah. about comedians and I'm writing yeah. notes about Mike Kelly and Paul McCarthy. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And thinking well, of you, yeah. but... Yeah. Well, you know, so I was thinking about the idea of the art, art the art world, where, where I think, I mean, I've, my suspicions about it for quite a long time, I mean, a very long time, and I think evidenced by my sort of analysis of the, the, the building of the Tate factory, <laughs> the Tate art factory, the turbine art factory. I mean, I'm not, you know, the problem is, is that it's very easy to be pessimistic about stuff because you are, you know, I'm in it, I'm in it as much as anyone else. But it's, I'm, I guess I'm trying to be mindful of the, the, the fact that, I, I guess my sort of feelings about it before this this virus has set in is that is that there's a sense in which um, the, the the saturation of art in terms of um, in terms of its popularity in terms of its investment as a as a kind of uh, um, commodity as an op as a as a commodity that that doesn't worry me too much in an odd way because I don't I can't really I'm mean, you know I, I kind of would take a very extreme materialist position in terms of you know you know works of art are, are commodities even before they're made given the fact that they have to 
structure from materials that are commodities in themselves before they're made into art. Um, I would say that I'd say that it's just that in a sense that that if 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 I had any reservations about the relationship between art and gentrification, and that I noticed that part of the 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 kind of the first order dynamics of how sort of art is presented as a kind of a radical experimental speculative activity that can do something. My reservation would be that actually that looking at this, you know, if I kind of as an out of body experience, I would look at it and go, but it's exactly the opposite of that, you know, but in, in a sense that you would, you could ask the question, actually, how conservative is art, even in its most radical gesture, even in the way in which it seems to disturb and provoke, how conservative is is it in terms of the fact that what it does is that it, it presents its kind of experimentation within this kind of pool of tranquility in a in a liberal progressive society that kind of that 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 that, that advertises is, is its universal tolerance by what by via by way of this kind of transgressive abject art. But in a sense, you know, we're still up to the same shit everywhere else, you know. But in a sense that what 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 this art kind of does is that it props up a kind of a systemic violence everywhere else, you know, that, that you know, that our relationships between other countries, our economic um, aggressiveness, our economic violence, you know, is kind of that in a sense that we, we, we need to be mindful of what 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 our claims are about what art does. And I'm kind of very, 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 very pessimistic about it. But pessimism's your signature. I mean, so I know that that means that you're actually optimistic. <laughs> well, I mean, well, I think, yes. I mean, I kind of did sort of preface the conversation by saying that pessimism is vain. I mean, pessimism, as you said before, as you said, it was so rightly said, you know, that like pessimism is like the kind of defeated optimism, isn't it? It's kind of like you're, yeah. you're, you're, pre you're preempting your disappointment by sort of being disappointed before, you're, before you preempt anything. Exactly. So, yeah. Otherwise, but you'd I, have no expectation. And you just right. take but everything I, I, as it was. But you're yeah, basically a romantic idealist who's afraid things are going to let him down. I, I, well, you would be, but I think my reason for using the word pessimism is, is because I'm avoiding the word cr critical, because I think the word critical is even more problematic. You know, critique. I think that, I, I, I guess that's the problem is that... That's is terrible, that, though. How did critique well, become a problem? Because critique is, I would say, if I'm going to be really vulgar, is that I think it's part of a very pernicious state apparatus. You know, I think that that's the problem. I think the problem with critique is that it's that it is it, it's an endless kind of it's an en, en, endless manufacture of of, uh, of self congratulatory. Uh, um, it, you know, that's it, it's a kind of critique is endless. You know, it's a kind of it's a it's a function of self congratulation. You know, it, it's it's the way in which a kind of uh, you know it's the way in which gentrification somehow. Um, presents what it does as kind of being sort of self-regulating. Um, yeah, exactly. Critique is self-regulation. And that in is itself it? is problematic. Problematic. I mean, for me, it's a, it's a problem. You know, the idea of sort of saying critical art is, is, is I, mean, I mean, I guess, you know, this sounds paradoxical and contradictory. The problem with critical art is that it's, 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 it's the structure of critique itself is a structure of self-regulation, you know? 
Yes, and this is why I love talking to you because the, I can continue to analyze over and over and over and over again. Uh, for people who want to keep this light, can I do a yes, list of questions? Yes, do it. All right, yes, all right. Do it, do it, do it, do it. All right, cool. name four of your favorite artists. James Enso. Um, nice. I saw the uh, show at the Royal uh, Academy. Brilliant. Yeah, um, Carl Andre. Um, did he um, or didn't Kathy, he? Kathy Acker. <laughs> Sorry? Did he or didn't he? Carl Andre. <laughs> Who cares? Right, Who next. Cares? <laughs> That's terrible. That's awful. Did I don't know what we're Who talking cares? about. No, I'm sure there are people in there. That's not, you know, James Enzo, Carl Andre. Well, we'll edit that out. Uh, who else? Kathy Acker. Uh, Kathy Acker. Yeah, she's good. Um, uh, how many is that? Four, three. three. Uh, oh no, uh, Fishley Vice. Oh um, yeah, amazing. Oh, They've got a show at Spruce around the corner. That's four. You're yeah. done. Yeah. Oh good. Uh, what's the first thing you're going to do after lockdown? Lifts. Um, Christ. I mean, I mean. And where are I you locked know. down? I'm locked down in the countryside, um, so it's so it's not difficult to do. Uh, I've got my studio here, so I'm kind of I mean I'm quite just getting on with stuff. Uh, I don't it's relatively lockdown, normal. I, I just think I'd go. I think my 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 instinct is to sort of say, well, you know, what, go around and kind of just kick ten Downing Street's door in and say, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> Except not, you know, obviously not. That's no, I don't know. His his dad will answer. Yeah, <laughs> he's not coming out to play. <laughs> <laughs> Boris is still sorry sick. And go home. Yeah. yeah. No, I don't. I know. First thing after after lockdown, I don't know really. I don't know if it's going to happen like that. So I don't know. How, how are you spending your How are you spending your days? How are you structuring your days? You've said pretty um, much it's normal, but I'm just wondering. It's. I mean. I mean, I'm in a perpetual state of sort of, uh, no, what do I do? My normal day, I get up, I walk the dogs, uh, I go to the studio, I twiddle my thumbs, I kind of like look at stuff, you know, uh, do some reading, I kind of, you know, hang out with the kids. Yeah. What, what, what's next for the Chapman brothers or for you? For me, um, well, I'm just working on whole. I mean, you know, it's, I mean, I've been working on a, a brand new body of work for the past year. Um, so I've got a studio full of. Can I mean, you I tell think us anything quite, about it? I can't. I'm not going to tell you anything, but it, I think it's kind of it's it's prophetic. Actually, it's not pathetic. It's That's prophetic. Surprising. It's quite. It's it's quite. It's just really strangely timely. Um, and hopefully, I'll have an opportunity to show it when when it's all over i mean that that's what i'll do after the end of um, lockdown is I'll, I'll i'll reveal my new my new work thank you jake come back thank you my pleasure uh, was, absolutely flattered this. to be asked i met you at your last show um yeah with my dog yeah your lovely and, dog and although your work sort of alarms people in person they need to know how sweet you are i shouldn't tell anyone yeah. that but you are no don't yeah don't it's got to be a problem okay thank yeah, you for being here my career thank you so much for asking real pleasure see you soon take care thank you. bye bye you've been listening to a private view with me Maeve Doyle thank you for listening see you next time bye for now